Good morning, everybody. So excited to come around the Word of God together, as I know you are also on this Good Friday. And uh, I believe God has a great message in store for us today. So why don't we open with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that even though we are all in our own homes, you are gathered with us, Lord. We are gathered in your name. And Father, I ask that today you would anoint me as we come around the Word of God. Fill my mouth. Fill my lips, Lord, with your words. Lord, let it not be from man, but let it be from God. And also, Lord, we ask that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling in you, that we would have an understanding of your word, and that we would be able to live it out and walk it out. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles or iPhones or whatever medium you're using to look at the scriptures these days, Turn to Genesis or flick to Genesis chapter 12 and uh, we're going to be talking about being protected by the Lamb today and I've got a subtitle there, Discovering Christ Through the Passover. Uh, we now call it uh, Easter but really this time that we're coming around now actually started long ago, long before even the cross of Calvary in a uh, feast day that the Lord initiated called Passover. There is so much in Passover that we want to unpack today and I believe is really relevant for what we're going through right now. And I love how the scripture is layered like that. It has uh, the literal meaning of the text, but it's also oftentimes prophetic of what a theme is going to be again. And this Passover, I believe, is an incredibly significant one. So uh, let's dive in. And uh, I've got the purpose, the power, and the promise and um, we're going to sort of have a look through those ones today all right so i've got the scripture here genesis 12 and uh not gen um yeah genesis 12 sorry and we're just going to start in verse one and this is god's promise to abraham now the lord said to abraham get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land i will show you I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is the, the first promise that really sets up so much of our understanding of the rest of scripture. God's first call to Abraham to create for himself his own special people, a people who would be called by his name, a people chosen by God to represent God and to show the world what God was like. Um, this is really, really special. And this was the original promise to Abraham. We fast forward a few chapters though and we get here to Genesis chapter 15. And what we see here is that God is making a covenant with Abraham and Abraham has this experience and God has given him this promise of blessing for him and his offspring. But Abraham has this interesting experience. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he being God said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they, they serve, I will judge. 
Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Abraham has this horror he experiences. He has a prophetic message from God that his descendants will end up in a nation where they will become servants and they will stay there for 400 years. And this is sort of the setting that brings us to the very first Passover. So I've got here um, some pictures of the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. And so what had happened, uh, Joseph had brought them there. God had used him mightily to save the nations from famine and from uh, starvation. All of um, Jacob's family moved there, all of the Israelites. Uh, but a new king arises and uh, their life begins to slide downhill. Um, what was once a blessing becomes a curse. And have a look at this. So Exodus 1, 8 to 10. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. This Pharaoh, for some reason, wanted the Hebrews to stay in his land. I believe that's because there was a blessing attached to this nation and he didn't want them to go. So they decided that they would rather oppress them and afflict them and keep them than let them go. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. They built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramesses, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. It then goes on to explain that the cry of the children of Israel began to come up to the Lord. The bondage was severe, and the people that God had chosen were powerless to help themselves. They were in a position where they could not escape on their own. They were unable to become free of the bondage and the slavery that they found themselves in. They needed a deliverer. They needed someone stronger and mightier than them. Does not this make us think of our lives? We often feel like we can be in control, but then things happen. Uh, like what we're going through at the moment that remind us that we're really not in control at all and we need a deliverer we need someone mightier than ourselves who can rescue us from all forms of bondage and slavery all right they wanted to be rescued from this place now Egypt in the Bible um, as you go throughout the Bible Egypt becomes a reference for the world and the world system and Egypt is what God is calling his people out of. He wants to deliver us from the world system, from the world's way of thinking, from being like the world. 
because when we are like the world, we live in the same bondage that the world lives in. And he wants his people free. So I just want to quickly point something out to you um, that God has been pointing out to me uh, over the last sort of couple of months, actually, ever since this um, COVID-19 became, um, you know, something of concern, um, the Lord and I were having a conversation about the plagues of Egypt and things that we're seeing happening at the moment. And he sort of made this point to me. He said, what were the plagues of Egypt for? And I said, well, Lord, the plagues of Egypt were against the gods of Egypt. They were against uh, the many different gods that the Egyptians served. And um, he said, yes, that's right. And if we have a look at what's happening in our environment today, I believe that these um, gods are going to crumble once again. But uh, have a look at some of the gods here. I don't expect you to be able to see it. I know it's a little bit small. I just want to reference a few. So there's 10 plagues listed there that were brought upon the Egyptians and upon Pharaoh uh, because he would not let God's people go. He would not release them uh, into what God had for them. He, he wanted to keep them in bondage. And also they had their beliefs firmly set upon these false gods. And this was God's moment to really show how inferior every other belief system, every other God, everything else that has been exalted, how inferior it is to the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so um, we can see some of the different gods that they've got there. Seb, the earth god of Egypt. There was um, many different ones. Isis, the Egyptian agricultural deities. Um, every single one of them fell short of God's dramatic power during the plagues of Egypt. And I just wanted to put that up. We'll also cover this over a little bit more later on. But this was God's method to bring his children out, to bring release for his children from bondage, from slavery, from the world. God sent plagues to attack the gods, the things that people had put their trust in. He attacked those things so that um, he alone would be exalted and glorified and that people would turn to him as the true God that he really is. Um, this was God's starting point for delivering his people, was these plagues. It was the 10th plague, however, the death of the firstborn that finally brought the release for the children of Israel, the first great exodus out of bondage, um, was through the final plague, the 10th plague, and that's what we're going to have a look at now. Okay, so God warned Moses that the 10th plague would be the death of each firstborn in Egypt, not just the firstborn of children, but also um, cattle as well, animals, the firstborn, every firstborn was going to be affected by this plague. And this was going to be the thing that would cause Pharaoh to, to fall to his knees and say, okay, you can go, I release you. This was going to be the catalyst. But before this plague, God gives very specific instructions to the children of Israel about something called Passover. He talks about the angel of death that would come and kill the firstborn and that the only way to be safe or, and to have that angel pass over your household and not bring destruction was to follow a specific set of uh, instructions that God gave his people. So I'm going to have a look at some of the key points here. 
The first thing that God told them to do was that they would need to select a lamb. Every household would need to select a lamb. And he said, this month is going to begin, be the beginning of months for you. So imagine that uh, we're in April at the moment. Um, imagine God saying, this is now the first month of the year. We have a January all over again. Um, April becomes the first month of the year. It would be quite strange. But what God is showing is that there's a new beginning. There's a new start about to happen. I have something fresh. I have something new. I have something amazing for you. And so it's a fresh start. He renames the start of the year. And then he says on the 10th day of this month, you all need to select a lamb, one lamb per household. Unless you have a very small household, then you can share with your neighbors and have a lamb between you. But one lamb per household. You had to keep this lamb for 10, uh, on the 10th day, you had to keep it until the 14th day. So you can imagine that in that, that amount of time that you've got this lamb in your home, it's been selected, there's a bond being built with this lamb. This lamb becomes part of the family. But the destiny for this lamb is not a good one. This lamb is going to become a sacrifice that God will use to deliver his people. And so there was other um, specifications about this lamb. It had to be without blemish. No blemishes whatsoever. A male of the first year. On the 14th day, they had to kill the lamb at twilight. Now, this is really important as well. Um, as we see this unfold again in the future, when Jesus Christ was on the earth and preparing to give himself as a sacrifice to save the people. Um, he also was killed at twilight. The blood had to be applied to the lentils and the doorpost. This also was very important. It was the covering of the blood that was going to um, assure that these people in this household were going to be saved, saved from the plague that was coming, the plague of the firstborn. It had to be roasted in the fire in its entirety. None of it was allowed to be left till the morning. This also is very important and we'll cover off more a bit later on that. And also had to be consumed as part of the Passover meal. They actually had to eat the lamb. They had to partake of the lamb. They had to um, have this lamb as a major focus of their evening. So that's the lamb. The next instruction God gave was about unleavened bread. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread would also begin at Passover and go for seven days. And um, I want to just have a look at the bread, some points here. So the bread was unleavened, no yeast at all. Uh, it was pierced, so it had to have a lot of holes in it. As you can see, this almost looks a little bit like our salada biscuits, um, the kind of bread that they use in their cedar meal. It had to have holes, it had to be pierced. And it was bruised from the quick cooking. You can see the brown marks where it was quickly cooked upon the heat. And then it was to be broken during the meal, broken and given out uh, and shared during the meal. So that's obviously really important. Many of you are already joining the dots together about the bread and we will continue to unpack that. Okay, I wanna point out that only the death of the lamb and the blood applied to their home could save them. And this is really, really important. 
It's only the blood applied that can save us. You know, the blood of Jesus has been shed for every sinner who will ever walk on this earth. But it's only the blood applied to your household, to the door of your life, that will save you. Just like in the plague of Egypt, there is only one way of escape, and it is still through the blood of the Lamb. Through the power of the blood of the Passover Lamb, a great exodus occurred. God's people were delivered from the power of Egypt and the bondage of slavery. And that is so important. And I've got a picture here of uh, Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. They are finally free, free from Pharaoh's control and dominion, free from slavery, free to worship God, to be the people of God that he called them to be. And this new freedom took them through the waters of baptism and into new life on the other side. Truly, this Good Friday and this Passover time, this Easter time is extremely significant, extremely important. And I believe God wants us to remember the power of the blood of the Lamb in our lives, that we are protected by the Lamb of God at this time. Okay, the purpose, the revealing of God's plan. I just want to now bring all this into the New Testament, into actually, in fact, this very day in which we live. What is God's purpose? You know, we see the original Passover, we see that it brought great deliverance for an entire nation who was in slavery and bondage. But what is our response today? Is it even relevant today? Is it still um, a part of what we need to be considering? And I want to say, yes, it absolutely is. It's super important because without our knowledge of the Passover lamb, there is no escaping. There is no salvation. We have to be under the blood of the lamb for our families. And so let's get into this, bring it right down to today, where we're at and see what God has uh, in store for us as we get into this. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 says this, just as he chose us in him. I really want you to get that. As you can see, I've underlined it on the screen. He chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Long before Jesus ever physically went to the cross, he had already prepared himself to be the sacrifice for us. Before the foundation of the world, God chose to save us. What an incredible salvation. This gets me so excited that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Hang on a minute. Let me break this down a little bit more. Let me just put a big stop, a big pause here and say, whoa, did I read that right? He chose us to be holy and without blame before him. Now, how many of you can say, yeah, I'm holy. I'm without blame before God. I have never done anything wrong. I can stand before God with 100% a clear conscience. I find that there's a discrepancy. We've been called and chosen to be a certain way, but how many of us can honestly say we are holy and without blame before God? This is like God's purpose that he set up, his intent, if you will, what he had destined 
for mankind. If we go on reading in verse 5, um, I'm reading from Ephesians 1, if you're listening to this as a podcast, Ephesians 1, 4-5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, it's according to his will. This is his intent, his purpose, his desire was that he would have a people, a chosen people by himself who would be holy and without blame before him in love. But how do we get to that point? God knew that humanity would fall into sin, that we would have a chasm so great we could never scale the the gap between us and God. He knew that there would need to be another deliverer um, to rescue us because we were incapable of rescuing ourselves. And so, even in the original intent and purpose of God for us, he already had the plan to bring us to this point that we one day could be holy and without blame before him again. The people God had chosen, this is the slide I showed earlier, were powerless to help themselves. The world once again found itself in the same position as the Israelites long ago, trapped in Egypt in slavery. They longed for something more. God had given them something more in their hearts. They had a promise from their father Abraham that God had a special place for them, a special land for them. But they were not entering into that promise. They were in bondage and they could not escape. They could not get out. They were helpless to save themselves. And I want to say to anyone listening today who has never committed their life to Jesus Christ, you are helpless to save yourself. No amount of meditation, no amount of contemplation, no amount of anything trying to turn over a new leaf can ever make you holy and without blame before God. You are incapable of saving yourself. We cannot save ourselves, and I cannot emphasize that enough. There's only one mean, means of salvation. And you see, we still need a deliverer. We need a deliverer. God raised Moses up to bring the children of Israel out of, the promised, uh, out of Egypt into the promised land. And he set them free. Uh, free. I'll get my words right. He'll, he set them free through the Passover lamb and the shedding of its blood applied to their house. And it's the same today. He wants to bring you deliverance. What is holding you in slavery? What is keeping you bound? What is it you cannot break free from? Is it an addiction? Is there a fear? Is there some kind of stronghold? Are you consciously anxious? Are you worried? Are you nervous? Are you in fear? What is it that's holding you in bondage? Because there is a deliverer who has come to set you free. Okay, just as God's answer uh, to the children of Israel was to bring 10 plagues upon the gods of Egypt uh, to prove that they were inferior. We are in a very unique situation at the moment where I believe we are seeing the gods of this world being exposed as inferior to the true God, the true God of heaven and earth, the God who made heaven and earth, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything else is being proven to be inferior. And let me just give you some examples. I've got some on the screen here. Sport and entertainment. 
you know, these things have been shut down at the moment. We're in our homes and we're having to reevaluate all the things that we thought we needed, all the things that we thought we had to have to be a part of our life, to be fulfilled. But all these things are being shut down one by one. We've also got um, our economies being shut down. I want to just list some of the guides, and I've made a bit of a list for myself, uh, if you'll excuse me for a minute. But some of the guides, sport, entertainment, materialism. You think about it, all the things that we thought we needed, all the things that we had to buy, the latest, the greatest. What does it really matter when you're confined to your home? Suddenly, all these things that we thought were so important have lost their significance. And this is exactly what happened during the first Passover. All these plagues were sent to show, hey, these things that we've put our trust in, they really can't help us in the long run. They can't help us with what really matters in life. The things that we have exalted, the things that we have made to be gods are beginning to crumble and be exposed for how inferior they truly are. Here's uh, some other things, money, wealth, prestige, things like that are falling and crumbling at the moment. People who've put their trust in their materialism, in their wealth, in their knowledge, these things are failing them. Why? Because I believe God does not want to share his glory with anyone else. God is saying, you have to put your trust in me alone. I am your deliverer. I am your safe place. I am your protection. Turn to me. Repent and turn to me with all your heart and you will find me and you will find rest for your souls. But once again, these little gods are being brought low, just like in the plagues of Egypt. The gods of the Egyptians were proven to be without the means and the power and the ability to help or to save. And right now in all that's going on around the world, we are finding out there is only one God capable of dealing with the coronavirus and with everything else that comes along to cha uh, challenge us in this life. There is only one capable. All right. The power. There is no one like our God. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to deliver. Oh, put your trust in him. He alone is our security, our safe place is found in Jesus Christ alone. He is the power of God unto our salvation. I want to go back over those key points in Passover, but this time there's a different picture. And this time Jesus is shown to be the Lamb of God. You know, John the Baptist looked at Jesus when he saw him coming into the water. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He acknowledged that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And so let's have a look at this. Does Jesus qualify to be the Passover Lamb to once again deliver the world from Egypt, from bondage, from slavery? Does he qualify? It's amazing. There's a scripture in um, the Gospels, Matthew 26 too, actually. Jesus said, you know that after two days is Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. I find this extraordinary. Jesus already pre-selected himself. He knew what his purpose was, that he was going to be the lamb slain on Passover. 
and he let his disciples know earlier. We have the first one ticked off. One for each household. The scriptures tell us in the New Testament that Jesus alone is the one who brought peace, who made peace with God, that he was the one for each person. I love that God made the ruling that it had to be for each household. You know, often we like to think that, uh, well, that's good for everybody else. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is extremely personal. You can't just cruise into heaven and to God's plans for you uh, on the back of somebody else. This is personal. You have to select the lamb for you. You have to put your trust in the lamb for you. You have to realize that salvation is personal. It's for the individual. It's for you. Salvation, yes, even though it's for everybody, it only comes about as each individual accepts and applies the blood of the lamb for themselves. A male of the first year, Tick, killed at twilight on the 14th day. Jesus was killed right on this timing as the lambs were being offered in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus also was offering himself up as a sacrifice for many on the cross outside the gates. And I find that incredible. The blood applied to the lentil and the doorposts of the house. What does this mean for us? We, we don't see people putting blood on doorposts. Uh, we would probably think that was extremely weird if we did see that now. But this is talking about the doorway to our life. You know, it says in the book of Revelation that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks to see if you will allow him to come in and if he can sup with you. And so when we think about that, Again, it's individual. He's standing at the door of your home and knocking. Are you going to allow the blood that Jesus spilled for you to be applied to your home? When, when the enemy looks at your life, is he going to see that the blood is applied there? I pray that you have accepted Jesus and that the blood is covering the doorway to your home. Okay, roasted in the fire in its entirety. Um, this is very important. The lamb had to be completely consumed. Jesus didn't give a part of himself as an offering for our sin. He completely gave all of himself. He gave his very life uh, in its entirety for us, for our redemption. He alone was worthy because he was the only one perfect to be a sacrifice acceptable to God. That the the uh, avenger that death could pass over us and eternal life could become ours. Okay, and consumed as part of the Passover meal. This is important as well. They were to eat and partake of the lamb. Jesus wants us to feast on him. He wants to be our sustenance. He wants to be the very heart of what happens in our homes. At like every meal, that this is something special we remember him, our Passover lamb. All right, we also see Jesus manifested in the bread. So the bread was unleavened without yeast. Yeast throughout the New Testament speaks of sin. Sin and yeast or leaven are um, the same in, in the scriptures, in the New Testament. So what he's saying here was this bread had to be unleavened. It had to be without sin. There was only one who called himself the bread of life, Jesus Christ. He alone is the unleavened bread that has no sin. 
He was pierced, he was bruised, and he was broken. And we can see that in these next scriptures. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, see these wordings here, for our iniquities. And uh, again, these words coming through what happened to the bread on Passover. Um, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with, the, with his stripes we are healed. We are healed. We are made whole because he was torn and broken and bruised and pierced for us. And that happened at the whipping post. That happened with the crown of thorns put upon his head. All these things came about as he went through his journey to the cross, suffering on our behalf, broken and pierced for our healing and for our wholeness and for our forgiveness of sin. As we continue this scripture in Isaiah 53, sorry, we're reading from verse 5, um, verse 4, right through to 7. The Lord has laid the wickedness of us all, our sins, our injustice, our wrongdoings on him instead of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And it goes on to say that he, like a sheep when led to the slaughter, was silent before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. He was that Passover lamb willingly going to die for us, to take our iniquities, our sins, our punishments upon himself. Was it fair? Absolutely not. Just like that little lamb that they had in their house from the 10th until the 14th day, that little lamb didn't do anything to, to warrant death. He was innocent. And that family became so attached to this lamb and then they had to slay the lamb so that they could be protected, they could be delivered, they could be set free. And you know, that's how I feel about what Jesus has done. I feel so grateful to him because he came so loving and so beautiful. He did nothing wrong, but he laid down his life for us. The wonder of the cross and of our Passover lamb, Jesus. Okay, we're just gonna come around time of communion. We've just looked at the bread, being broken. We've just looked at the body uh, res resembling the bread and we've looked at the blood of the Passover lamb. So why don't we, um, if you want to go and get yourself some bread or you might already be prepared and, and something that you can partake of um, with a drink of some kind. Let's really enter into this Passover. Let's really enter into this Easter because this is so important. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? because he alone can make you whiter than the snow. When he forgives us, it says that he no longer remembers our sins. I find that amazing. It's so easy for me to say to my children, oh, I forgive you, but it's so hard for me to forget all the times that they've been disobedient or whatever it is they've done. But yet the Lord is not like that with us. He forgives us completely and he does not remember anymore. It says that he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. So let's partake together. And I'm just going to pray, Father God, thank you so much for the lamb that was slain for us, the Passover lamb, willing to give his life that we can be free, 
that we can be free of the slavery of sin, of the bondage of the world, that we can be free to be what you originally destined us to be, chosen of God to be holy and without blame before you. Lord, because you shed your blood, because you let your body be broken, we can stand whole before you without blame and we are just in awe of you, Father. We partake now in remembrance of you and your mighty power in the blood of Jesus for us. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake together. Praise his mighty name. Look, he's such a good God, isn't he? I get so excited about Jesus. Sorry, just had to have a moment. <laughs> I love him. All right. The promise, the promise that we have from God, deliverance from the world to enter his promises. I've got to tell you another Exodus is coming. And, and on this point, I just want to um, bring something out here. So we've got um, a scripture here. Uh, where am I? Sorry. Okay, Exodus 12, if you want to just turn there, because I wanted to show you the fulfillment of this. Remember we started out with um, Abraham and the original promise that God gave to him. And so let's turn to Exodus chapter 12 together. And we want to have a look at how this was fulfilled very literally. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be the beginning of months and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And he goes on and he unpacks how Passover shall be. Then it talks about how they were delivered, um, how Pharaoh called them in, and, and that's sort of where I want to now pick up. So we're going to go to verse 40, a big jump. You might need to turn the page uh, and let's pick up from there. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And I love these words, and it came to pass. Isn't that exciting? It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt um, at 430 years, that very same day it came to pass. And that's exactly what God had showed Abraham all those years beforehand that this would happen, his, his descendants would be put in a nation where they would be in slavery and bondage, but that he would bring them out after 400 years. And God is good to his word, good to his promise. The Exodus happened just on time, just as God promised in the fourth generation. And I just wanted to bring that out because, you know, God is still true to his promises. We can rest assured on the promises of God. His promises never fail and they never change. His purpose never changes. And so it is stable and secure in the midst, midst of a changing world. And we can put our hope in that. I want to tell you today, though, another exodus is coming. And I believe it's coming soon. What am I talking about? The exodus of the people of God from this world. Jesus made a wonderful promise. 
He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I'm telling you, there is another Exodus coming, and it is exciting. And it is also our promise. So there's a, um, I see a prophetic Passover type prophecy from this first Passover long ago. And also the second Passover where Jesus died, there's a prophetic image that one day, not only would Jesus be resurrected, but all those who put their trust in him would be resurrected and would have eternal life with him. And that is super exciting. I want to leave you with one more scripture. So if you want to go with me to Isaiah 26, and I've got that this here, Isaiah 26 and verse 20 to 21. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also will disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. I believe this is a promise for us. How timely is it? How amazing is it? The wording here where it says, Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you. This is exactly what's happening all around the world. Do you know, for the first time since the very first Passover, all of the people in Israel will be behind closed doors for the Passover coming up um, on uh, not just today, but right through to Sunday. They are going to be having Passover like the original Passover, where they are indoors, each one in his own household, and it's a chance for them to remember the Lamb. Remember the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb, and it's atonement for them. And so I find that really exciting. And here we are, Easter, Good Friday, and we're in our homes. And then we have this amazing scripture, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as it were for a little moment until the indignation is past. I believe that's a promise for us, that God is our protection. He is our Passover lamb and he is keeping his promises and we can put our trust in him, no other God, him alone. Would you uh, bow your heads with me just where you are? We're just going to end in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the time we've been able to have around the Word of God today. Lord, we thank you for your promises, your purpose that never changes. Lord, and for the destiny that you have for us to be holy, to be without blame before you. Lord, we have an opportunity today to accept Jesus and apply the blood of Jesus to the door of our home. And so we want to take this moment to just pause and ponder and think about this. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, as the King of Kings, if you haven't acknowledged him, I would urge you to repent today, to turn to God and to accept the saving grace of Jesus Christ for you. He died for you. You can be holy without blame before God the way you were created to be, by the blood of Jesus washing you clean of your sins. You can enter into a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus. 
If you would like to make that step today on Good Friday, then let me lead you in a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a you know formula. It's simply the scripture says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as putting your entire trust in Jesus Christ, not in the works you can do, not in your ability to please God, but throw yourself completely at the mercy of the Lamb of God. If that's you, if you want to receive uh, the covering of the Passover Lamb today, then I would like you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Passover lamb. I believe he died for my sins and I believe he rose again on the third day. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you. And thank you for your promise that you will come again and receive me to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why don't we give God a praise wherever you are in your home? Why don't we just celebrate and praise him for the awesome God that he is. Have a great Good Friday and we'll be in touch again on Sunday. Bless your church.